From the Whiskey Tangent Studios in Marlton, New Jersey, this is Whiskey Tangent News. Hey everybody, this is Ed from the Whiskey Tangent Podcast. We're here to bring you another episode of our Whiskey Tangent News. Joining me always is Scott. Hey everybody. And I'm going to tell you what we're going to tell you, and then Scott's going to tell you what he tells you. (laughs) Right. right. That's how it works. That's what we do. Good synopsis. Yeah. So the news stories, of course, we have news stories because it is the news. We're going to have about six stories on industry news. We got uh, three stories dealing with sports and entertainment and two true crime. (laughs) Sometimes funny, sometimes sad and tragic. Yes. So I won't give any real emotion right now. I'll just say and true crime. Right. After the stories, we're going to tell you about new whiskeys that you can buy this month, including some whiskeys of the future. Mm, Future, future, future. And then, of course, what's coming up on the old podcast in July. All right. So, Scott, take it away, buddy. So, it's June 2023, and here's all the news that's fit to drink. (laughs) In industry news from the Whiskey Wash, Diageo's longtime CEO has passed away. Oh, God. I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) Yeah. Ivan Manassas, a visionary in the spirits world who helped make Diageo the liquor behemoth it is today, passed away on June 7th at the age of 63 following a brief illness mere weeks from retirement. Manessis joined Diageo at its creation in 1997 and held many senior positions in a career spanning over 25 years at the company, including CEO since July of 2013. During his tenure, he oversaw an astounding period of change, growth, and high performance with the company today now selling over 200 brands in more than 180 markets. Condolences and accolades came pouring in from across the spirits industry with leaders from Brown Foreman, Beam Centauri, Remy Quantreau, Pernod Ricard, and Moet Hennessy, among others, issuing statements. Of particular note was a message from the Scotch Whiskey Association the massive trade group of which Diageo is a member. Sir Ivan was a towering figure who not only helped to shape the global success of the industry, but laid the foundation for future generations. Aside from being one of the most successful business leaders of his generation, he was a warm and caring human being. Through our grief, that legacy will sustain us, encourage us to follow the example he set, and enable us to remember fondly the time we had with him. I'm just stunned that he was so young. Yeah. To have had such an esteemed career and make such an impact and only be a few years older than us, Scott. I know. And right before he was going to retire. Right. Which is why I retired when I did. Yeah. They didn't say what the illness was. So um, I don't know. Maybe follow up stories will mention it, but maybe the family didn't want anybody to know privacy and all that. I'm just not saying stuff right now. No. Okay. <laughs> You're censoring yeah. yourself? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, I just thought of a thousand embarrassing ways you could die that your family would want people to know. And I realize it's not appropriate. I see. Well, mm-hmm. well moving on quickly. Yeah. From CBS News, a new study reveals the best state for buying whiskey. A state of intoxication, <laughs> I think. So you make bad choices and buy more than you should. Yeah. A new study conducted by Credello, a leading financial solutions company, revealed their top 10 lists of the best and worst states in which to buy whiskey, and the results may surprise you. Credello analyzed data from winesearcher.com and totalwine.com to find the best price for a 750 milliliter bottle of Jack Daniels Old Number 7 Black Label in each state. For states under liquor control laws, Credello looked at the official government price of the bottle. So what are the top 10 most expensive states to buy whiskey? Number 10, Pennsylvania. 9, New Jersey. Mm. 8, Montana. 7, Alabama. 6, Utah, 5, Vermont, 4, North Dakota, 3, Nebraska, 2, North Carolina, and the most expensive state is Alaska. I thought the top two would be Hawaii and Alaska. Yeah. I'm well, surprised that Hawaii's not in the top Hawaii's 10. Hawaii's not in the top 10. I don't know why I'm pronouncing Hawaii like that. Like, Hawaii. I'm hitting a really hard H on that. Yeah. Like, Hawaii. <laughs> um, yeah, so Alaska, that makes sense because evidently it's a bitch to get anything to Alaska. Yeah. I hear like toilet paper is like $5 a roll or something. Like, So I guess I don't understand the struggles of living in Alaska. Yeah, that you have to ship everything. And remember, with Jersey and Pennsylvania, it's a lot to do with the tax 
tax that our states put lots of tax on liquor. Yeah. You know, anything that's a vice, cigarettes, liquor, you know, I'm censoring myself. Go Porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you censoring yourself? I don't yourself? know. I just... Nobody died in this story. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still mourning from last story. And here are the top 10 cheapest states to buy whiskey. So if you live in one of these states, congrats to you. Number 10, South Carolina, then Mississippi, Florida, Washington, New Mexico, Maryland, Arizona, Texas, Colorado, and surprisingly, California, mm. where a bottle of Jack Daniels will cost you less than $15. What is Jack Daniels charging for it as a wholesale price? <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy, right? Yeah. $15 for a bottle of Jack Daniels. It's like $32 here now. Yeah. yeah. The average, I guess, was 26 in New Jersey, according to this study. Uh, I don't believe that, but maybe that's before they tax it. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's the official retail price without tax. You know, I haven't looked to buy the regular Jack in a while. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, it's not one we frequent. All right. I'll go out right now and look at the local store. I'll be right back. <laughs> Do you crash? Do I put the crash down? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And they're sold out. <laughs> they didn't have any, which is, uh, that's the biggest lie. <clears throat> All right. So the next story we have is from the Whiskey Raiders. Barrel Craft Spirits opens their production facilities to other brands. What? Barrel Craft Spirits has decided to open up its blending, bottling, storage facilities to outside brands that might not have the resources or space. Says founder Joe Beatrice, our contract bottling expertise and barrel storage are now available for craft distillers, which saves time and energy and allows them to focus on growing their brand. Our rickhouse exudes the original craftsmanship on which the regulation of Kentucky bourbon was built and provides a historic touch for aging whiskey. The facilities are located in Jefferson Town and Shively, Kentucky, and are just a stone's throw away from downtown Louisville. The rickhouse itself can hold 18,000 barrels with 42 ricks on five levels where distillers can find unique casks in a variety of locations, each with a separate character. Brands interested in working with Barrelcraft Spirits can contact the producer by emailing contact at barrelbourbon.com. That's great. I guess they had space they weren't using. Yeah. The question is, they just seem to put more and more stuff out. Like, what happens when they need the space? I guess they just throw everybody out. I don't, I don't know. I That's why I had this or, in here, because I was wondering why they would do this. Or does this particular rickhouse not fit into their production procedures now for some reason? Like, yeah. like we're not trucking it over that rickhouse anymore. Yeah, maybe they projected into the future and they knew they're going to have a lot of space. And right. what do they do with the space? They can right. rent it out. Good. I mean, sure. Interesting. Yeah, good for them. All right. Next story from Whiskey Advocate, introducing the brand new Northwest Whiskey Trail. It's not usually necessary to carry your passport when exploring the world's whiskeys, but the newly launched Northwest Whiskey Trail covers two U.S. states, one Canadian province, 540 miles, and at least one ferry. On the American side, the distilleries on the new trail so far include Westward Whiskey in Portland, Oregon, and Westland Distillery and Copperworks Distilling in Seattle, Washington. Stops on the Canadian side are the Goldstream and Shelter Point Distilleries on Vancouver Island, Deep Cove Brewers and Distillers in Vancouver Proper, and Macaloni's Island Distillery in Victoria, British Columbia. Several of the distilleries produce other spirits and two offer in-house brewed craft beers. And while the trail doesn't shun other forms of whiskey, the emphasis is on single malt, which is produced by six of the seven distilleries. Designed to highlight differences in the regional terroir, organizers of the Northwest Whiskey Trail say that all of the distilleries can be visited in about five days at a reasonable pace. Are you actually walking or driving? You have to drive, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's 500 miles. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> you said leisurely pace. I'm like, that threw me off. That's another place that we haven't been. That's really, another trail we haven't It'll be a long time for we do that. A trail. long time, yeah. yeah. Uh, the next story is from foodandwine.com. Fireball introduces a barrel-aged expression. <laughs> okay, I'm listening. Yes. The popular but not really a whiskey whiskey brand, Fireball, is on a mission to make this Father's Day less boring by releasing its first ever barrel-aged version they're calling Fireball Dragon Reserve. 
Whereas Fireball's regular cinnamon whiskey promises to taste like heaven and burn like hell, the new Dragon Reserve is for those who prefer a more refined sip. Aged approximately three months in dragon charred barrels, which aren't really a thing, but apparently means just ex-bourbon barrels whose actual char levels have not been revealed. Fireball Dragon Reserve maintains the spicy flavor of real cinnamon, but with the additional undertones of smoky oak. Dragon Reserve will be bottled at the usual 66 proof, but only 618 bottles, in honor of Father's Day being June 18th of this year, are being sold online for 20 bucks starting on June 16th, which is today when this episode comes out, so you can't possibly get it in time for Father's Day. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense to me at all. Okay, so they aged it, but it's still bottled at 66 proof. Like, the fascination with this thing is I have, just beyond me. I was ready for them to come and be like, and also it's 87 proof or something. Yes. Like, I was going to listen. Yeah. I, I wasn't probably going to like it, but I just don't consider it a whiskey. I drank a Mick Ultra yesterday. I don't consider that a real beer. It's just something to like wash my wings down with. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, you don't and we don't, but people do. People well, go, oh yeah. yeah, I'm going to have some whiskey and then they're drinking Fireball. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's annoying. Yeah. Uh, we had that other story a couple months ago where they were passing off bottles of malt beverage as right. the whiskey just because they didn't say whiskey on it like right. they did with their other bottles. Otherwise, it was identical label. Right. So they had like beer-based fireball. Right. And now they're trying to come out with this just to make us forget that you're just shady. Yeah. I mean, I like the dragon because I like dragons, but I ain't drinking that shit. Right. And we always thought dragon char should be a thing, but it's not. Yeah. It should be like the highest level of char, like extra yeah. char. Almost the barrel's almost yeah, falling there's, apart. There's usually five levels of char and most companies stop at around three. Yeah. So maybe they took some old bourbon barrels and recharred them and that's what they're calling dragon char. I don't know. Yeah. But who's surprised that they're using an appropriate term? Yeah. Just making shit up. Yeah. Literally nobody. Like crickets. All right, so the next story, the last story in industry news, Ascot Awards have revealed their best in category and best in show whiskeys. Mm -hmm. So I only have the American ones yeah. and the ones that are particular to us. Yeah. And so the best bourbon was E.H. Taylor's Barrel Proof Bourbon. Okay. I mean, we haven't had E.H. Taylor in a while. It was hard to find. And when I did get it, it didn't blow me away. So. Yeah. It's one of those it's Buffalo those Trace hard to right. find ones. And everyone so. loves it. And mm, I've had some I really liked. And then I've had some that just left me flat. Yeah. It's very uneven, a brand. Especially for, for how hard I had to work to find it. And then I overpaid for it. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the best rye was Stellum Rye Fibonacci Blend, number one. We agree with that. It's astounding whiskey. That's the best rye this year. Yeah. The best wheat whiskey is the Journeyman Corsets Whips and Whiskey which of course you know we're fans of that we had we that agree. on the wheat episode one of the best whiskeys I've had this year as well the best American whiskey was Jack Daniel's Triple Mash which we also featured and I enjoyed it a lot I thought it was a tremendous effort on their part and the best in show from those for the second year in a row Journeyman Corsets Whips and Whiskey One again. Wow. Impressive. It's amazing. If our Journeyman episodes and the Ascot Awards haven't convinced you to try Journeyman, especially the Course of Whitsman Whiskey, uh, you're never going to try it. Yeah. I mean, that's the one to try. Cast Trent, if you can get it. Yeah. And if you're wondering when the San Francisco World Spirits competition reveals their major awards, it's the day after this episode airs. So we'll report on that next month. Yeah. That'll be out in July news. Okay. Right. Uh, so in sports and entertainment news. Yay. From the Whiskey Raiders, fans are worried about Conor McGregor's drinking. <laughs> well, I noticed he punched out a mascot. Is that what you're going to talk oh, about? Oh, no. Did he? 
No, that, that's not what oh, this is about. Jesus. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. A video of Conor McGregor swigging whiskey and Guinness circulating on social media has his fan base concerned that he's been prioritizing drinking over strict training regimen, given the fact that the fighter is slated to go toe-to-toe in the ring with American lightweight fighter Michael Iron Chandler later this year. He's just drinking and not training anymore, one Twitter user wrote, but others leaped to his defense, commenting that Conor is a fun person to be around. People should stop confusing showmanship for his actual personality. This isn't the first time people have been worried about Conor's drinking before in an April episode of the Weighing In podcast, Russian MMA fighter Islam Makachev had his own thoughts saying, I don't think Connor wants to fight with Chandler because he's drinking too much, smoking all day, and he just can't. At this time, the exact dates for the fight between McGregor and Chandler remain unknown, and it may not happen at all. I mean, geez, if cameras followed me around, there'd be people concerned about me as well, especially the week I've just had. It's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, why isn't anyone concerned about our drinking? I will mention that Colin McGregor did allegedly send the Heat mascot to the ER. Oh my, the Miami Heat? Yes. <laughs> Here, pause it a second. One eternity later. All right, so we just uh, took a little break to watch the video of what Ed was talking about. Yeah, it was a setup. It looked, him out. Yeah, it looked like it was a setup skit where, like, the Miami Heat mascot was going to, like, fake box him. Yeah. And he actually connected. McGregor just comes in and just plays him right at the guy. He falls like a ton of bricks. And then he gets on top of him and punches him again. These are not pulled punches, all right? Yeah. Once again, just another another thing that proves <laughs> what a dick. God, he's one person that just does not deserve to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I, know. I just don't believe him to be a nice person. And I think his fans are all assholes. <laughs> That's know? why I did this story yeah. because it's like he has fans that are worried about him. He doesn't yeah. deserve your worry. Right. He deserves to lose all his money in a Ponzi scheme, fighting circus bears in some mexican saloon you know <laughs> just to buy his next bottle of rocka tequila yeah he should be in a donkey show in yeah. the receiving end <laughs> fuck you conor mcgregor and if you want to come and do something about it well my name is scott you can find me in marlton and i have a podcast it's not hard to find me man oh shit <laughs> I don't know whether I should keep that in or not. I'm a little scared, though. <laughs> the next story that we have in sports entertainment from the Whiskey Wash, Hollywood stars partner with Beam Centauri to celebrate significant milestone. Japanese whiskey producer Suntory recently announced that it's celebrating a major milestone, the 100th anniversary of its founding. And in honor of this centennial, a tribute film about the company will be released this summer to coincide with exclusive anniversary editions of a slate of Suntory whiskeys. Spoiler alert, Godzilla comes at the end and stomps on everything. <laughs> uh, Godzilla! Is that, right? is that racist? <laughs> is that racist? What I said no, was racist. I, no, I'm including Godzilla in all Japanese movies. Uh, right. The film itself, directed by Sofia Coppola and starring Keanu Reeves, tells the story of the brand's heritage and whiskey-making legacy. Reeves, a professed lover of Suntory whiskey, previously appeared in a Suntory Reserve ad campaign back in 1992 and will also participate in another collaboration with the distillery, creating a series of documentary shorts called The Nature and Spirit of Japan. Said Reeves, I'm honored to partner with Suntory Whiskey again. It's the elevated Japanese craftsmanship and attention to detail that makes it so special. In addition, as a first step toward its next century, Suntory will invest 10 billion yen, which is $77 million US, to enhance its Yamazaki and Hakushu distilleries, which are currently closed for renovation and scheduled to reopen this fall we thought those whiskeys were expensive before they closed uh, right i know <laughs> yeah there was something i think in the john wick movie that came out one of their whiskeys is in the background oh, somewhere. Is it? like i know he drank blanton's yeah in the earlier episodes of the franchise so mm-hmm. to speak yeah john wick but uh for some reason i believe that he might have had a yamazaki or a akashu um yeah. uh, uh, we'll uh we'll, we'll research, research that, that. <laughs> 
six and a half hours later. In uh, John McFork, the uh, Yamazaki 12 is what he's seen drinking. Oh, there you go. On top of the Continental Hotel in Tokyo. The okay. Yamazaki 12, all right. Yeah. Uh, the last story in sports entertainment, uh, this is a funny one, from Golf Digest. Golfers try putting out fire with whiskey. What? <laughs> You've probably thought about what you would do if your house caught on fire or your car, but odds are you haven't worried too much about your golf bag spontaneously combusting. However, in the event that it ever should, remain calm and do the exact opposite of the guys in a video that went viral recently on social media. In the short clip, a golf bag in the back of a cart is on fire and one guy can be seen dumping a full flask of whiskey on the flames. Their next galaxy brain idea was to start shoving their bare hands into the flames to rescue items from the pockets. Then one hero begins flinging the clubs from the bag in a desperate attempt to keep his grips from turning into scorching black goo, but at no point does anyone think to pull the bag off the cart and stamp out the flames with their feet. Or as one commenter suggested, step one, remove the bag from the cart. Step two, everybody start peeing. Right. Has your golf bag ever caught on fire? No, no. Nor has my golf game ever caught fire <laughs> as well. <laughs> but the one thing about fire when it does happen people panic like yeah yeah you have to react quickly to a fire yeah, like, obviously that's what these guys do you know like i love in the movies when i watch people react so slow to like their curtains catching fire that it ends up engulfing the whole house the real question though is to everyone listening where's your closest fire extinguisher mm. do you know and um i don't mind and where's yours at it's in the um storage unit oh my god you could burst into flames by the time you get all the way down there for it, it should be the kitchen <laughs> Well, that's uh, true. Usually the apartments have their pantry near the kitchen, yeah. but in my apartment, it's not. So they put it in there. That's how big his apartment is. Pantry's like another section. <laughs> it's not even that It's not that big. His pantry's next to the servant quarters. Yeah, I do have three bathrooms. <laughs> that's true. Okay, so in true crime... From Mobile News 24-7, man nabbed for concealing drugs in whiskey bottles. A Tanzanian man was arrested at Indira Gandhi International Airport in New Delhi for smuggling cocaine by mixing it with liquor in whiskey bottles. After arriving from Addis Ababa, he reported to customs officials that he had nothing to declare, but upon searching his baggage, they found three whiskey bottles. The liquid inside the bottles was unusually viscous and cloudy for whiskey. A canine squad was brought in and indicated the presence of narcotics. Upon opening the bottles and subjecting them to a test kit, it detected cocaine. Apparently, dissolving narcotics in alcohol is a new smuggling method since alcohol can be evaporated off, leaving the dissolved substances to be recovered. That is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. I know. When I was a kid, you know, 15, I wanted to drink with my friend on the beach. So um, we had a bottle of uh, Seagram 7. We stole it from my aunt's house. She was like 80. She shouldn't be drinking it anyway. We were doing her a favor. But um, we got some 16-ounce glass bottles of Pepsi. We like dumped or drank three ounces out of each and uh, poured in the whiskey. Yeah. And then took them down to the beach, right? Okay. But he wanted to try one with lemonade. So then we dumped all the soda out and he filled it up with lemonade and whiskey, which is pretty much as stupid as what this guy did. Because <laughs> if you're drinking a Pepsi bottle with lemonade in it, you're pretty much giving it away that it's not Pepsi anymore. Mm. So that's just yeah. what, that's what it reminded me of, of when I looked at him and go, yeah, you're a real genius. You know that? But we didn't get caught we just dug a hole and put the bottles in there with some ice they let kids drink back then it was the 80s yeah no the, i mean not on the beach <laughs> but we got crushed i gotta tell you that i mean if i day drink on the beach now i get extra buzz oh, i mean shit. we're out in the sun the dehydrated sun, yeah. yeah i don't know who was watching us back then a terrible job my parents <laughs> So the last story we have in news, and then we'll get through to all the whiskeys that are out yes. this month. From the Whiskey Riff, overconfident drunken man brags to police about the murder he committed. That's oh the dumbest God. guy. A cop's body cam recorded a wild scene as it unfolded during the investigation of a stabbing murder of 44-year-old Adrian Ellingford in the town of Chelmsford, England. 
Authorities were searching a house in the surrounding area for clues when the world's dumbest criminal walked straight up to them and started running his mouth. Marek Hecko, 26, approached the officers while drinking from a bottle of brandy. Appearing at first as if he was just a curious day drinker, Hecko ends up saying some very, very incriminating things. Quote, I know what happened. I know the people that are involved. I'm not going to tell you what happened and you need me to figure out what happened. I know that some guy came here and he fucked up some guy. You're going to think it's me, but it's not going to be me because you have no proof. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, he was arrested and put on trial for Ellingford's murder. The motive? A classic story of revenge on an ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend. You see, the victim was a married father of two, having an affair with Marek's ex on the side. Obviously, that doesn't mean he should have been stabbed to death, but it does add another wrinkle to a very weird tale. Marek was convicted and sentenced to life in prison and will serve a minimum of 26 years. Wow. He is dumber than the cocaine guy by a little bit. I mean, what are you doing? You got away with it. Like you're walking around at the place where it happened and the cops are there and you walk up to them. My God. I mean, maybe he has some guilty conscience or something. Yeah. I mean, that has to be it. Like he wanted to be caught. That's why he was drinking. Right. It was sad. Yeah. Or he could just really be that stupid. We don't know. Right. We might be giving too much credit. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's all the news. And here's all the new whiskeys that you can buy this month. First in the list is the Claremont Steep American Single Malt. This came out like literal days after we recorded the last news. Right. So this is made by eighth generation master distiller Freddie No, the first American single malt from Bean Centauri. Oh, wow. It, What's it, it called again? It's called Claremont Steep. It's a strange re- name. It's a strange them. name. It yeah. was distilled in a column still and aged in barrels that were toasted and charred only to level one. It's five years aged, 94 proof, 100% malted barley, brown sugar, honey, multigrains, ripe red, delicious apples, and light oak. The MSRP is 60. I mean, if I could find that for 60, I'd try it tomorrow. Yeah. I would love to have an episode where we compare their American single malt to Jack Daniels single malt. That'd yeah. be a great episode. Scott's obsessed with the fact that he can't get the damn He can't thing. find the Jack Daniels American single malt anywhere. Anywhere. It's stupid. And we read an article on the news talking about how it was going to be available mostly in duty-free overseas markets. And then supposedly we were told, no, 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 though. It'll be released in the American market too, but we haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, no. Uh, the second whiskey is Hirsch, the single barrel, double oak. This is a new single barrel release that's a blend of bourbons of two different mash bills that were then further aged in used bourbon barrels. Hmm. 92% of it is an eight-year, seventh month, 72% corn, 13% rye, 15% malted barley bourbon, and 8% is a three-year, seven months, 74% corn, 18% rye, and 8% malted barley bourbon. It's 127.8 proof, and the MSRP is 99. Yeah, that's about where it should be. Yeah. I bet you it's a good whiskey. With our experience with Hirsch, they know what they're doing. Uh, Jack Daniels single barrel, barrel-proof rye. Brown Foreman is released its first barrel-proof version of his regular single-barrel rye. There's no age statement. It's anywhere between 125 and 145 proof. 70% rye, 18% corn, 12% malted barley, rush of spice, black pepper, rye, cinnamon, baking spices, butterscotch, and caramel. MSRP is 60. What? That's a great price for that. Great deal, right? I'll definitely buy it. We'll never see it at 60, probably. (laughs) The next one I have is Russell's Reserve 13 year. This is their third release. So two years ago, Russell's Reserve launched a 13-year-old bourbon, and the Whiskey World went bananas and each year since they released a new version this one is 114.8 proof 75 percent corn 13 percent rye 12 percent malted barley which is a regular russell's reserve mm-hmm. mash bill spice forward with cherry skins raisin plum tart strawberry molasses clove prune cinnamon tobacco and balsam fir incense the msrp is 150 but i'm already seeing it for 500 on the secondary yeah we won't have that yeah unfortunately uh jacob's pardon small batch number three 
This is a light whiskey. Nice. Aged in new uncharred oak for 18 years. It's 142.5 proof. 99% corn, 1% malted barley, caramel corn, black cherry, prune danish, loads of baking spices, vanilla bean, and pipe tobacco, MSRP 195 I mean, for an 18-year whiskey at that proof, that's what you're going to pay. I, I know. I probably won't buy it because I don't like to go that high, but if you could find it for 200 I don't think it's crazy price for being 18 years old and being at that proof. No, because we were just talking about how the Calumet 16 was 150 so if you extrapolate, yeah, right. it's not too bad. You know who would buy it? Doug. <laughs> hey Doug, if you're listening, yeah, get some. We'll come over. Doug's like, I already got two of them. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Okay, so as Ed alluded to in the intro, I've identified some new whiskeys that are coming out this month are, that are sort of like what we talked about on our fruit your bourbon episode. Right. So these are new expressions that use different grains, blends, finishes, and/or woods to age them. The first one I have is Chattanooga Experimental Batch Number Thirty One. We haven't talked too much about Chattanooga whiskey on here, but Chattanooga whiskey's new experimental release is a high malt bourbon made from stone ground red, white, and blue corn varieties. Okay. So it's 28% red corn, 28% white corn, 16% blue corn, and 28% malted barley. Four years aged, it's 102 proof, dried fig, sweet corn cake, berries and cream, almond croissant, uh, MSRP is 75. I mean, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really sure. interesting. Sure. You see uh, a lot of different uh, corn varieties. Absolutely, that's right, Balconies that use the blue corn, uh -huh. and we're seeing using different versions of corn there's ways you can play around. And this is one way that you're saying that the future of bourbon, they're going to be trying different things. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. The next one is Daniel Weller. Now, this one pissed me off. Let's see if it pisses you off. Mm -hmm. Buffalo Trace. Oh. <laughs> Already. Get ready. Right. It's like the Whiskey Museum. Has released the first in a new annual series of experimental weeded bourbons named after William LaRue Weller's grandfather, Daniel. The first one is made with emmer wheat, which I'd never heard of, but it's wheat that's most commonly used to make bread and beer, but rarely used to make whiskey. It's aged 12 years. It's 94 proof. The mash is not disclosed, but it's purportedly the same as the other Wellers just trading the regular wheat for this new variety of wheat. Orange zest, hazelnut, cinnamon, caramel, bold oak, sweet honey, and orchard fruits. The MSRP... $500. Do we need another Weller expression that we can't get that's already overpriced? It's absolutely fucking ridiculous. What can you buy from them? I don't know. What can you buy from Buffalo Trace? Like, even their base expression has become rare. <laughs> it's ridiculous. As much as we get mad, there's not a lot of Larceny Bower Proof around. There's plenty of Larceny. Mm -hmm. We can't get Eagle Rare. We can't get Antique Weller 107. I mean, you can get them, but nowhere near their price. Not 110 or 100. We're talking about 399. It's absolutely insane. And like, it's okay if it came out and it was 150 dollars. It's 12 years, right. 94 that, right. proof with a new wheat and everything mm -hmm. makes it special. Mm -hmm. But no, they're pricing it at 500, and it's not like it comes in like the decanter or something. It's just the regular bottle. Right. It's 500 dollars, which means in the secondary market it'll be around you know 12, 1500 dollars. So compare that to this. Okay. So this one is Rabbit Hole Tenniel, it's called. To celebrate their 10th year anniversary, Rabbit Hole has released a new expression, a blend of their Cave Hill, which is a four grain triple malt bourbon, and their High Gold, which is a high rye double malt bourbon, which was then finished in a toasted char level one barrel and bottled at cast strength. It's 108.8 proof. There's no age statement. The mash is not disclosed, although we do know the mashes of the two other whiskeys. 70% corn, 10% malted wheat, 10% malted barley, and 10% honey malted barley. That's the Cave Hill. And the high gold is 70% corn, 25% malted rye, and 5% malted barley. 
So baking spices, stone fruit, toasted nuts and almonds on the nose, oak, tobacco, nutmeg, cumin, and vanilla on the palate, and custard, allspice, and mint on the finish. And uh, the reason why I said crystal decanters the last time is because this one is bottled in 939 crystal decanters, and they're available at an MSRP of 650 So this didn't get me as mad as the Daniel Weller one. How about you? I mean, it's a special whiskey for a special event. Yeah. Um, they don't have a lot of whiskeys outrageously priced like this. This is certainly a little bit of a gimmick. How many? They have 900? 939. So it's not even a thousand bottles, basically. Yeah. And you're getting a decanter probably costs $150. Yeah. You know? So now you're talking about a $500 bottle. No, it doesn't bother me that much. I won't buy it, but no. it's such a small release. It's more like a token gesture. Mm-hmm. Like they're not really looking to flood the market with it. And I would expect the secondary market on them to be pretty high. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you have, you know, rabbit hole fans, you know. Uh, Starward was on our um, British Empire whiskeys episode last summer. Uh, the Starward Ginger Beer Cask, number seven. This is one of Australia's most popular limited releases being made available in the U.S. for the first time via lottery at starward.com and select retailers. It's a combination of Starward's Nova and Solera single malts aged for 12 months in French and American oak casks previously seasoned with ginger beer. Both of us are really big fans of ginger beer. Absolutely. Dark and Stormies. 96 proof, no age statement, 100% malted barley, spice and ginger candy along with orange, hot mulled cider, caramel, vanilla, and some rum raisin ice cream. Uh, 100 bucks. Yeah, all right. Yeah. It's a limited release. Uh, I'm not that interested. No, I'm not either. If somebody had it, I'd love to try it, but I, yeah. I won't go wait in line for it. Uh, the last one I have is Teelings. They put out a Wonders of Wood virgin Portuguese oak. Oh my God, there's so much I could do here. <laughs> I always put it in just for you. This is this is all for you, Ed. The whiskey was triple distilled and aged in virgin Portuguese oak barrels, which has a higher tannin content than typical oak casks. Mm-hmm. There's no age statements, 100 proof. It's 50% unmalted barley, 50% malted barley, marmalade, leather, clove, pepper, nutmeg, tobacco, and vanilla malt. MSRP is 100. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. It, it just, at 75, I'd be intrigued. I don't need to drink it at 100. No, no. I mean, I guess if we saw it somewhere, yeah. we'd buy a dram of it. Oh, yeah. I'd buy a drink of it for 15 or something. Or yeah, 20. but yeah. a whole bottle seems unnecessary. A little bit. All right, so we got a little mad at those, but that's okay. That's the state of whiskey out there. Hey, listen, everything's getting more expensive, but what I've worked on myself is not feeling left out. Yeah. And to start drinking what I have, kind of. And then um, <laughs> we constantly tell you all that there's good $60 bottles out there that can carry the day, that have high proof, good yeah. flavors, oakiness, good blends, finished in different things. And you can still get them for $60 to $65. I mean, you don't have to spend $195, $450 to find good drinkable bottles out there. Yeah. And when I'm doing these, I try to do a mix of things that are cheaper and things that are more expensive so yeah. that we can get mad at the expensive ones. And yeah, it was exactly. like, give love to the cheaper ones but about half of them are 100 or under and the yeah. other half are higher so i'm trying yeah i mean we're, part of it is, is we do want to celebrate the absurd sometimes because yeah. it is kind of funny you know yeah we are trying to be entertaining as well and this, i can bitch a lot more about a 500 weller right than, if something's priced 50 or 60 dollars you're like yeah you can't get mad at that right. <laughs> yeah i'm like yeah i mean even if it's two years old like, i don't know maybe it's good <laughs> right all right so the next thing we do the last thing that we do is what's coming up on the podcast in the next few weeks so on 623 we're going to release a bonus short, a quick taste of Wilderness Trail 8-Year Bottle and Bond, courtesy of Taylor from Benash. On 6.30, there's no podcast. On 7.7, July 7th, we have episode 65, AI-generated cocktails, and we'll be celebrating our 200th podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
714, we're gonna release a whiskey short, a quick taste of blackened Metallica whiskeys, two of them, their rye and their Willet collaboration that Ed got me for my birthday, which I was surprised to see when I looked at it in the vault that it's half gone. I didn't know that we drank as much as... The problem is when he gets buzzed up, he starts grabbing I know, I do. And not just whiskey. That's right. <laughs> That's how you got that restraining order. And on 721, we'll be right back here doing the July Whiskey News. All right. So if you're feeling froggy, go get some of those high-end expressions we told you coming out. <laughs> we want to celebrate the winners of the Ascot Awards. A lot of whiskeys that we celebrated this year as well. So we, we feel vindicated that our top whiskeys of the year was also Fred Middick's yeah, yeah. top whiskeys of the year. Just another example of why we should be judges <laughs> on the Ascot. Here we are. You know, 300 whiskeys tasted on air. Good palate. We know you're listening, Fred. Come we know, on. We know he can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, He actually hacks in and listens to it live. He's listening right now. Right now. He's All right. Bugged my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, everybody, we'll see you next week with the short, and then we'll see you next month with our next episode. Yeah. And so for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, I'm Ed. And I'm Scott. Thanks for listening, everybody. Later. Later.